just a word about uh, how we will proceed uh, this morning. Uh, we will uh, hear first from Patrick. Patrick will give a testimony as to his salvation and to his calling. And then Brother Ken Kangas will present a challenge. And then I will close with the challenge. And we will uh, continue to worship the Lord. So, uh, Patrick, come on up. And as you're coming up, I will remind you that the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word, but the word of the Lord, Lord stands, stands forever. Love you, brother. Am I good? Oh, I'm good. Wonderful. Well, good morning. Thank you all for being here. I'm excited and also a little bit nervous because uh, most of the time I'm just expounding the word. But today I could get personal in my life, so that's a little awkward. But that's okay. We're going to go through it. Um, uh, if you do have scripture, I want you to turn to Psalms chapter 27. I want to share um, personally my life verse with you, and it was intricate in my call um, early on. So I, I grew up, I was raised by uh, uh, my, my mother, who it was her home, and I saw my dad every other weekend, it was back and forth, uh, but majorly with my mom, and I always went to a church called Franklin Road Baptist Church, not far from here. Um, since, I guess, third grade, I think there were some other churches before then, but it was all a blur, I was too busy playing. So uh, when I was at Franklin Road Baptist Church, I remember I was, uh, I, I think at that point I'd already made like three professions of faith as a kid. You know how it is when you're three years old, you like your big sister takes you in the room and is like, okay, you need to pray this prayer because you got to go to heaven. Okay, okay, cool. And I pray the prayer and I do whatever she tells me to because she was my boss. And then uh, and then as I got older, you know, I was like, ah, I'll just pray it again because, you know, it would probably get me out of trouble because I knew like a, a whooping was coming. So if I get saved, then maybe I'll get some mercy, right? And so that, that's how that happened. So I remember then I was 11 years old um, and I was in the, the balcony at Franklin Road Baptist Church. And there was a guy who came in and his name was Steve Currington. Now he, he's gone to be with the Lord now and um, he actually had a ministry for like rehab and drug addicts and things of that nature. And at 11 years old, honestly, I wasn't like struggling with that. But I did want to listen to him because he was my favorite preacher because he had something called Chili and Fries Surprise. And that was the most amazing thing I'd ever heard of. So he had my attention right from the start. Okay. And he, he got up and he began uh, to preach a sermon about how he had gotten into a car wreck and how he'd almost lost his life. And he began to... Uh, basically go into the gospel at that point, describing how he knew that if he had died at that instance, that uh, he wouldn't have been uh, in heaven, but he would have been facing God's wrath at that point. And that's when the Holy Spirit started to work on my heart. I mean, I, I can't explain it. I mean, I wasn't going through the same issues in life as he was at that time, but I knew that I was lost, absolutely and totally lost. And I, and I believe that's all of the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, the Holy Spirit's the one who draws us. And so as an 11-year-old kid, I, I had heard the gospel, I knew the gospel, but now I knew my lost condition. And so they, they had an altar call, and I didn't have, no one had to, you know, coax me or anything like that. I just went straight down to the altar. I remember it was the left-hand side. They had steps then. It was right by the piano. And I knelt down as an 11-year-old boy, and I repented of my sin, and I asked Christ to redeem me. And I know that he did. And this time, it wasn't just because my sister told me to. I knew it was real, Right. And at that moment, I could tell there was a difference. I went straight home. I told my mom, you know, I want to be baptized. And she's like, you've been baptized twice. Well, I, this one's real. We need to get baptized again. Okay. So, okay. And so we, we lined that all up, and I had gotten baptized, and I was excited about it. And uh, then soon after that, I went uh, to junior camp, uh, and that was at our church. I was, you know, maybe 12 or so at that point. 
And uh, they had talked about, you know, what a calling was. And they use a verse in, in 1 Timothy where it says, if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing. And uh, a calling is not some supernatural event where God speaks audibly and says, Patrick, get behind a pulpit. Like, that would creep me out. But that's not what happened. But I knew that in my heart I desired to serve the Lord. And then I stumbled across this verse, and I've, and I've claimed it in my life. As, uh, Psalms 27, verse 4. It says, I've asked one thing from the Lord, and it's what I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. I knew right then and there I want to spend the rest of my life just seeking him and serving him in his temple and in his service. And so I accepted the call at that point, and I had pursued it all throughout high school. Um, I went to seminary in Louisville, uh, not to the big school, but it's much smaller, cheaper school. And, and, uh, and I, I went to seminary there, and uh, then I began uh, my pursuit of ministry. If it's okay, I'm going to dive in a little bit more detail into where I am now, if that's all right. I don't want to be long. This I have an hour, so you're fine. Um, <laughs> now, uh, I did ask for three, but they said no. Uh, so uh, when I left seminary, I, I was able to serve the Lord at a uh, ministry in Chattanooga, Tennessee, for three years working with teenagers. Uh, and you'll lose your mind a little bit if you work with teenagers long enough. So if you ever wonder what's wrong with me, it was that ministry. But uh, we, we worked there for three years, and uh, then we also came back here and worked as a youth pastor for another year here at a church. Um, but then the Lord uh, decided to put us on a break, a, a little bit of a break, and that was okay. And so we took two years in, in, out of ministry, out of full-time ministry, and that's when we joined our wonderful family here at Blackman Baptist. I remember the, the first time I actually came here, uh, my wife was like, all right, we're going to visit a few churches, find where we want to go. I said, okay, but we're going to go to Blackman first, all right, because I, I just, I, I love the, the people there. I love Weston. I love my sister. We're going to go there first. And after the first service, I got in the car with her, and I said, hey, that's great if you want to visit more churches, that's fine, but we are joining at Blackman. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, whatever you want, okay? So, and then we, uh, and then we, we decided, I, I guess about two months later, we joined here. Um, but I'll tell you that, you know, for the last two years, the Lord was still stirring in my heart. I hadn't forgotten my calling. I knew it. Uh, and that's where I get this, this verse from. It's, it's the one thing that I desire. It, it, it's, it's something that was gnawing at me. Uh, Jeremiah put it this way. He said he got discouraged when he was in the ministry. And he said, I'm going to stop speaking about the Lord. I'm, I'm not going to preach his message anymore. And he said it was like a fire in his bones. That it just it ate away at him until he couldn't keep it in any longer. And so we began praying, uh, I guess, around November of last year, October, November. Um, and we wanted one specific thing, and that was that the Lord would open a door to ministry, that we didn't have to kick the door down or, or pursue it or, or, or force it in any way. And so I got a call uh, from a ministry called Corporate Chaplains um, that I had never applied to. I'd never reached out to them. They reached out to me, and they asked. They said, we, we need an ordained minister to, to come and serve with us here, here in the Murfreesboro local area. And so we went through that interview process and prayer, and the Lord's called us to that wonderful ministry. And we, we joined it uh, February the 2nd was our first day. And, and to understand that, we're basically pastoring the workforce that isn't here on churches every Sunday. 80% of the workforce doesn't go to church. And so we, we get to be the only pastor that they have in their life. And we're so excited, and we're overjoyed to be part of it. Um, the Lord's already allowed us to see souls come to know him as their Savior. He's allowed us to have an impact already in this ministry just two months in. And I'm so excited to be part of it. And um, uh, with that being said, that, that's the ministry we're called to, and that's where we are today. And I want to say thank you so much for 
uh, as a church and as the ordained men here uh, for being with me and, and uh, allowing me to be in this ministry and ordaining me. And I feel so privileged and so blessed to be part of this church home and in a place that I can really call family. Uh, and and that will be all. So. Well, good morning. And thank you, Brother Patrick. Uh, I don't think my remarks will be too long. Remarks. Isn't that funny? We're, I'm standing at a pulpit. Uh, but I'm going to use the word. Some of my remarks are straight from Scripture. So, Brother Patrick, today we uh, plan to ordain you. Ordain is a word that means purpose. Uh, to, it means to anoint to decree, to order, to prescribe. And uh, we speak of ordinances in the context of our church, the ordinances of Christ for us as a church, baptism and the Lord's Supper. Why do we talk about ordinances? Because He ordained that they should happen. He told us, He gave us a command, and we do them. So that's, that's kind of the sense of an ordination. It's sort of a command. It's a purpose. It's a, it's a mission. It's a thing that you're commanded to do. Now, actually, for us... We use the word ordained as if we're ordaining Patrick, but really and truly, God has ordained Patrick. We're recognizing that this is the case. Um, and we, we can see the evidence in your life, Patrick, that, that you have this call that God has, that God has put on you. And, and so we affirm that today. That's what we're here to do is to affirm that and encourage you. Um, I like the Sunday school lesson this morning. It was about encouragement, and that is... Very much what we want to do today is encourage you in the, the mission that God has for you. Um, so I want to just share a few words from the scripture that I know you know well. Um, but I want to remind you because it's always good to be reminded. Um, and then church, you don't have to tune out here because these words are for you too. As I charge Patrick, I'm going to ask you to hear these commands and do two things. One, pray that God will strengthen Patrick and keep him faithful in his ministry. And two, these things aren't only for ordained ministers. These are for believers to do for each other. So I want to encourage you to listen to the things I have to say and apply them. Um, I'm just going to start real quickly with the parable of the sower from Luke 8. Uh, hear the word of the Lord. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it and some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil, grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he, as he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I want to say a word. Indiscriminate. Indiscriminate. This word means done at random, without careful judgment. And the word sounds negative, right? But I want to encourage you, Patrick, to be indiscriminate with how you spread the seed of, of Jesus' gospel. Okay? Because you can't waste it. It's, there's an unlimited supply of it. You don't have to be careful about wasting it. Let it go. Spread it out. It is, this is exactly how we should think, indiscriminately. We don't need to try to guess the odds of this person or that person coming to faith. 
right? It isn't about odds. God has that in his plan, in his hands. Our job is to share. Our job is to witness. Our job is to love. And God's job is to move the hearts of people. And he can do it. So spread the seed. Spread it on hard places and soft places. The soil that God's prepared won't always be obvious to you. It won't, you won't always know. So you sow and you, and you pray that God will do the miracle of salvation for those who seem receptive and those who, like we've seen in Sunday school lately, like Saul of Tarsus. If anybody seemed unreceptive, certainly it was him. And then Paul wrote later, um, he, talked to, he talked to the Corinthians about this. He said, what then is Apollos, what is Paul? Servants through whom you've believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So I want you to keep that in mind. You've got a job to do and be faithful. And sometimes God's going to let you see the fruit and you rejoice in that. But you let God do his work and you do yours that he's called you to do. So spread that seed. Second thing I want to say to you, love like Jesus did, but love first like Jesus did. In 1 Corinthians 5, chapter 5, verse 9, this is a strange thing. It's an interesting for us to hear as a church. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of this world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he's guilty of sexual immorality, or greed, or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? It's not those inside the church whom you are to judge. God judges. Is it not those inside whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. What is Paul saying here? What is Paul saying? Brother, you you describe the ministry that you're going to be a, a part of, that you're going to be ministering to people who aren't in a church, who don't claim to even be Christians in many cases, although some of them will. And how are you to perceive them? Are you to be surprised when you find out they're sinners? No. You should fully expect that they're going to be sinners. You would have to leave this world to get away from sinners, right? That's what Paul's saying. So reach out to them. Love first like Jesus did. Remember, our very confession of faith today was about what? That when we were his enemies, Jesus gave himself for us. That was the message of our confession of faith. The people that you're going to minister to are are enemies of Jesus in many cases. Although they don't even know it, but they are. Because we didn't probably realize we were his enemies until we were saved. And that's the same situation you're going to run into. So you need to love them, not judge them for their immorality. And you need to point them to Jesus because he's the one that fixes. Jesus said in John 12, quite an interesting thing, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. By this, he did not mean there's no judgment. He only meant that his purpose in coming the first time was to bring salvation. Judgment will come later. Judgment will come from God, not from you or me. We're, we're, we're an extension of Christ's ministry of salvation, mercy and grace, but we're not God's instrument of judgment and condemnation. 
So keep that in mind as you interact with these people. Because they're potential believers, they're potential brothers and sisters. Love them first. For every enemy of God that you may meet is this potential brother or sister. And then seek, I would encourage you, seek salvation in the short term and in the long term. And I'm I'm encouraged to hear you've already seen people come to faith, even in the short time that you've been serving. It's it's beautiful. You're going to have opportunities to foster relationships, and you're going to have opportunities to have quick one-on-one interactions that that may not be long-lasting. Pray for salvation to come from both. When Paul stood on trial before King Agrippa, he was in full ministry mode, literally in chains, literally on trial for potentially his life. And what was he talking about? King Agrippa's soul. That was what was on his mind. He cared more about Agrippa's status of faith. And And Agrippa could see this clearly. And he said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become as I am, except for these chains. Right? Paul was telling him, you would be better off like me than the king that you are because I'm saved and you're not. Um, Paul was in full ministry mode no matter what. And he said, no matter short nor long, yeah, I would love to see you convert today, Agrippa, but I'd love to see you convert in a long time. Either way, however God wants it to happen. So finally... Uh, so I want to just kind of summarize these those three points. Um, the first one, to be indiscriminate in spreading this gospel news. The second, to uh, love first. To love first. And then the third, to seek salvation for, for the lost, whether short or long. And then finally, I just want to read Paul's charge to Timothy. Um, I think it's just about an appro- as, as appropriate of a closing as I could think of. Uh, Paul said from Second Timothy 4, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth, wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Brother, I pray blessings for you and your ministry and your family as they support you. I pray that you'll see fruit that you can enjoy and rejoice in. May God keep you faithful. And bless you as you love those that he's put in your care. We gather together to ask the Lord's blessing on one he has already blessed, our brother. Patrick Harris. Today we recognize together, we acknowledge that the Lord has already blessed our brother Patrick Harris, and we too bless him and ask the Lord to prosper him, his family, and his ministry.
When Elijah commissioned Elisha to carry on the work of the Lord, he asked him what he wanted. Do you remember Elisha's response? Elisha asked for a double portion of the Lord's Spirit. And do you remember Elijah's response? Elijah stated that Elisha had made quite a difficult response, a request. Now, I'm certainly no Elijah, but I do pray, Patrick, that you will be an Elisha, every bit of an Elisha. I think that you have already had several Elijahs in your life, Patrick. You have been blessed to have several devout men and women of God who have modeled the way in which you should go. And so in the spirit of Elijah and Elisha and the Holy Spirit who empowered them both to be powerful servants of the Lord, the Lord Most High, I ask you, Patrick, what do you want? It's a rhetorical question. But it's an important question nonetheless. Elijah asked Elisha what he wanted. So I think it's okay at the very beginning of your ministry, my dear brother, to ask, what do you want? Patrick, do you want trials and tribulations? Patrick, do you want despair and difficulties? Patrick, are you sure you know what you're signing up for? Because I can almost promise you, my brother, that you will see trials and tribulations, despairs and difficulties. And I think you do know what you're signing up for. We were blessed to spend uh, quite some time together in the workforce. And you've heard me say this over and over, uh, but I'm going to repeat it. Ministry is messy. If it's not messy, it's most likely not ministry. Patrick, are you ready for the despair and difficulties? Are you ready for the trials and tribulations? You've preached your first funeral that probably won't be the last. Are you sure you know what you're signing up for? Patrick, do you know what you want? But before you answer these difficult questions, my brother, please consider this. I may have led you down the wrong trail here today. That may not be the right question. Because what I want and what you want really doesn't matter. The real question is, what does the Lord want? Patrick, I believe that the Lord wants much from you, my brother. Here's the Apostle Paul. Like Brother Ken, I'm I'm going to go to Paul's relationship with Timothy. And he was in the second letter that he wrote to Timothy. I'll be in the first letter that he wrote to Timothy. And this is what Paul said to Timothy in chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Hear the word of the Lord. And I say this to you, my brother. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone despise your youth. Set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by a council of elders. Practice these things. Be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Persevere in these things. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Patrick, command and teach these things. Patrick, set an example. Patrick, do not neglect the gift that is in you. Patrick, practice 
these things. Patrick, pay attention to your life. Patrick, persevere. One thing I do know, my brother, there will be times in your ministry that you will have despair, difficulties, trials, and tribulation. And I do believe that you know what you've signed up for here. But in those times of great difficulty, it will be important that you know where to turn. I know you're not going to go to one of those self-help books that you and I have talked about many times. I know that you're not going to look deep inside yourself for the answers because the heart is desperately wicked and will deceive you. And I know that you won't look for help in the world at large. Patrick, look for the help that you will need as you lead. Look for the help that you need with your brothers and sisters in the church of your Lord. Look to the church. Patrick, look for the help you will need in the word of the Lord. Patrick, look to the Lord. Pray with David. Pray this prayer. Out of the depths I call to you, Lord. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. I wait for the Lord and put my hope in His Word. I wait for the Lord more than watchman for the morning. More than watchman for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for there is faithful love with the Lord, and with Him is redemption in abundance. And He will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. This is the Word of the Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Patrick, I'm going to ask you to come here. Ken, if you would help set up two chairs, one for Patrick, one for Val. Uh, Valerie, if you will join him as well. I'd like to ask the uh, worship team if they would come on up. And what we're going to do now is we're going to uh, lay hands on Patrick. Once again, we're going to pray for him and Valerie. And I would invite any uh, ordained man of the church who would like to participate uh, in this time of prayer over Patrick uh, to uh, come on up and join us at the time. Would, would you all stand during this time as well? Thank you. Great fruit. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Valerie, as they enter into this new phase of service that you've, you've given to them, Father, I pray for your strength and I pray for your faithfulness. I pray that you'll, you'll give them faithfulness to hold on, hold on to the faith you've given and give it to others. And Father, I, I pray that they will see fruit and be able to rejoice in it. In Jesus' name we pray these things. It will be done by God and Father as in heaven.